Hey listeners, we have a very rare opening for an associate sound designer mixer here at DeFacto Sound. That's my sound design studio and the studio behind 20,000 Hertz. To learn more, visit jobs.defactosound.com. This application window closes on May 22nd. Now, onto the show. You're listening to 20,000 Hertz. New details on a series of bizarre attacks, dozens of unexplained illnesses. Back in 2016, strange reports started coming out of the U.S. Embassy in Havana, Cuba. U.S. diplomats based here in Havana said they begin to experience these really strange symptoms, often at night, sometimes while they're in bed, asleep. The symptoms include hearing strange sounds. Headaches, nausea, vertigo, confusion. And a feeling of heat or pressure. These illnesses came to be known as Havana Syndrome. The cause was unclear, but there was one common factor in many of these reports a high-pitched buzzing or hissing sound. The sound is a common experience reported by dozens of Americans stricken overseas. Eventually, one of these diplomats captured a recording of this sound, and a quick disclaimer that listening to it won't hurt you. But it is pretty shrill and unpleasant, so we've turned it down a good bit. Here it is. There were all kinds of theories about what could be making this noise. That's producer Layla Battison. Some guessed it was interference from electronic devices. Others said it could be a Russian sonic weapon. Intelligence experts speculated about a focused beam of microwaves fired into the homes of diplomats. But other scientists had a different explanation. Those are crickets. (laughs) That's Natasha Mahatre an expert in insect acoustics. I've seen the data, it's pretty conclusive. Those are crickets, they're nothing else. They're really annoying, but they're just crickets. Two scientists who analysed that recording concluded that the species was most likely the Indies short-tailed cricket. Here's what they sound like. And here's the recording captured by the diplomat. Now, to be clear, we're not saying that this entire phenomenon can be explained by crickets, because there's still a lot of debate about the cause of Havana syndrome. But the idea that someone could mistake the buzz of crickets for a Russian sonic weapon isn't as strange as it might sound, because large groups of insects can be shockingly intense. When you're in it, it's loud. That's Nancy Mirelli. I am an entomologist, which means that I study bugs. Nancy lives in Ecuador, which is home to plenty of noisy insects, like cicadas. I'll grab a male cicada because I like to open their wings and I like to show the structure that they're making the sounds with. And I literally have to shout over it because this one little bug is so loud. So it's amazing how loud they can get. Of course, not every insect can make that kind of racket. There's specific groups that tend to make a lot of noise, like the katydids, crickets, and grasshoppers. In large part, those noises are in fact courting songs to help two tiny insects find each other in the big wide world. 
is to say, hey, I'm here, come find me, I'm really cute, I'm very loud, listen to me. Normally, it's the guys who make all the noise. Many times the female can't produce sound or doesn't produce sound. And if you think about it, it's because it's really risky, right? You're out there, you're on your little branch, on your little twig, and you are like, hey, come bathe with me over here, which obviously attracts literally every predator and their mother to the area. Females don't want that because once they've mated, they just want to go somewhere that's safe, find a safe spot to lay their eggs, and live their best life. But for the males, getting attention is worth the risk, at least on an evolutionary level. If your strategy is, I'm going to be really loud and I'm going to attract all the females, you can mate with 10 females in a week and you die, you are ecologically quote-unquote more fit than a male who maybe lived for a month but only made it twice. Cicadas are a perfect example of this. Once they hatch, they climb onto the nearest perch and sing as loud as they possibly can. Only the males can buzz. So the females will respond by snapping her wings. So it'll make like a sound. There's a great clip of David Attenborough. He finds one of those male cicadas that's buzzing, and then he snaps his fingers and makes the cicada follow him. I can imitate the female's wing flip with a snap of my fingers, and that causes them to follow me anywhere because they're so determined to find a female. But he soon gets more than he bargained for as the insect flies right onto his head. Oh, the noise is awful. Oh, quite right. As a group, cicadas are the loudest insects on the planet. There's some cicadas that can buzz up to 120 decibels, which is like a jackhammer going off (laughs) next to your window. Mating calls are important, but they aren't the only sounds that insects make. And these other noises tend to be less well understood. A good example are best beetles. If you pick them up, they'll squeak. We think it's to scare predators, but they also seem to squeak with each other. Some beetles even talk to their kids. There's the American burying beetle. They take care of their young. When the larvae hatch, both the male and the female, the mom and the dad, will make a variety of squeaky noises. And we think it's some sort of communication, but we don't know exactly what they're communicating, but they are quite noisy down there. Queen bees also do something called piping. It's like a high-pitched buzzing whistling almost. And that happens when the colony gets too big and it's about to split. This piping sound is a battle cry, signaling that the queen is ready to fight to the death with any other queens in the hive. Many insects will also use sound as a defense mechanism. A lot of insects will make some sort of sound to try and convince you that you definitely don't want to eat it. Unlike mating calls, these sounds are meant to be heard by creatures more like us. 
while their mating sound may be in the ultrasonic range where we can't hear it, an alarm call may cover a broader range of wavelengths. So that way, even big, stupid mammals like ourselves can hear it. And that's like a kind of angry, like, leave me alone. I just made this big, scary noise. I'm so scary. Please don't eat me. Here's a tiny walnut sphinx caterpillar doing its best to sound big and tough. And here's what it sounds like when someone irritates a wasp right next to a microphone. Tiny bullet ants also make a sound to try and scare off predators, although it does sound a bit like someone making kissy noises. Sometimes the sound can come from insects you'd least expect. There's this weird butterfly here that's called the cracker butterfly, and it makes a cracking sound with its wings. The first time I saw one, I was like, did that butterfly just crackle? And when I looked it up later, it was like, yeah, it's the cracker butterflies, and we don't really know how they make their sound, but they do crack. We think it's like a territory thing, but unsure. There's a lot to learn about why certain bugs make the sounds they do, but the mechanics of how they make those sounds are usually easier to understand. There are three main ways, and you can think of these almost like the three sections of an insect orchestra. The first is called stridulation, and that is just when they rub body parts together. An example would be like a katydid or a cricket that's rubbing its wings together, or a grasshopper that's rubbing its legs. When the body parts are rubbing together, there's some sort of texture some sort of grooves or some kind of ribbing that makes kind of like a scratchy noise. It's similar to a scraper instrument, like the guiro. The second kind of insect noisemaker is more like a drum. So cicadas make their sound by vibrating a membrane called the timble. The timble is typically found on the insect's back, just under its wings. It's a thin membrane that can vibrate up to 7,000 times a second. As it vibrates, the rest of the insect's body acts as an amplifier. Basically, the inside of a cicada is a boombox. The tracheal system has been modified, and it's just a big hollow drum inside to be able to magnify the sound. The last component of this insect orchestra is the most rare. It's a bit like an accordion. Insects don't breathe through a nose like we have. Insects breathe through little holes that line the length of the body. These breathing holes are called spiracles. And some insects, like the hissing cockroaches, can actually push air through those spiracles and hiss very much like we would. Here's a Madagascan hissing cockroach doing what it does best. So you've got your scraper... Your drum. And your accordion. Put them all together. And you've got the ultimate insect orchestra. These sounds might seem pretty simple, but by tuning their pitch and altering their song patterns, insects can do a lot with what they've got. And that allows each species to make itself heard even in really loud environments. 
When you walk outside, you're bombarded with a bazillion different sounds. And those bazillion different sounds are coming from lots of different species, from completely different groups. You have frog noise, and bird noise, and toad noise, and just human noise when someone's playing their music too loud, right? And so that's why it's so important for some insects to call at a different frequency or to call louder or to call lower, to call higher, to get through all of that gunk. These insects need to be able to find each other and hear each other. So it's pretty amazing that they can. The variety and volume of noises that insects make is truly remarkable. But that's not all these creatures can do with sound. Some species are capable of mind-boggling sonic feats, like crafting tools to make themselves louder, and even jamming the sonar of bats. That's coming up after the break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. It looks like we stumped everyone on last episode's mystery sound because no one guessed it right. That's the sound of a camel using an organ in its mouth called a doula. It almost looks like a big inflatable tongue, which they fill with air to make that gurgling sound. Male dromedary camels use this technique when it's time to attract a mate and assert their dominance to any other males nearby. And here's this episode's mystery sound. If you know what that sound is, submit your guess at the web address mystery.20k.org. Anyone who guesses it right will be entered to win a super soft 20,000 Hertz t-shirt. Speaking of which, we just launched our brand new store. We have all the shirts you know and love, plus a bunch of new designs, hoodies, hats, and more. I'm a big fan of our new Bouge t-shirts, so go check it out at 20k.org shop. Or you can tap the link in the show notes. When I think about hiring, it just seems like it's more work, more stress, and more pressure. But here's how Indeed takes away all that worry. Indeed is the world's number one matching and hiring platform with over 350 million visitors every month. Indeed cuts out the work of hiring with smart AI technology that helps you find the right candidate quickly. It takes the stress out of the process with scheduling, screening, and messaging all in one place. So you know exactly what you're up to in the hiring process because Indeed keeps track of everything for you. Then, Indeed relieves the pressure of choosing the right person. That's because their skill tests give you the confidence that you've got the right candidate. So now when you think of hiring, don't think of all those negatives. Just think of Indeed. To try Indeed for yourself with a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility, visit Indeed.com Hertz. Just go to Indeed.com Hertz right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
indeed.com slash hertz. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NetSuite has simple solutions for complicated business problems. For example, let's say you open a bakery. Before long, your hotcakes are selling like, well, hotcakes. But you keep running out of ingredients. No problem, because not only can NetSuite automate your purchasing so you're never out of stock, but it can also check that your staff have the right training to make those hotcakes to perfection. NetSuite can even handle online orders so your hotcakes can really take off. Having one system handling all of this saves both time and money. And if there's two things we all want more of, it's time and money. Okay, so three things if you include hotcakes. That's probably why more than 37,000 businesses have already signed up for NetSuite by Oracle. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash 20k now to take advantage of this offer. That's netsuite.com slash 20k. netsuite.com slash 20k. Insects are great at making noise, but the way they do it depends on their bodies. For instance, katydids rub their legs against their wings to create a chirping sound. The 17-year cicada makes its high-pitched call by rapidly vibrating a membrane on its abdomen. And some hawk moths can push air through holes in their bodies to produce a squeaking sound. But all of that bug-to-bug communication is only possible if they can hear each other. Now, when you think of insects, you might not immediately think of ears. But in the insect world, ears are actually extremely common. So somebody posed the question, how do you make a ear? That's researcher Natasha Mahatre. She's the one who mentioned crickets as the source of that Cuban diplomat's recording. Natasha says that from an evolutionary standpoint, making an ear is actually quite simple. It turns out what you need to do to make a ear is basically have a cavity inside the body. And then you need to stretch a membrane over that cavity. When a sound wave hits that membrane, it causes it to vibrate. So the last thing you need is a neuron that allows the animal to perceive that vibration. If you can then hook a neuron somewhere close to that membrane or on the membrane, you're golden. You have a ear. Insects belong to a larger group of animals called arthropods, which is Greek for jointed legs. And all of those joints means lots of neurons to know what they're doing, which means... They have essentially spread out over all of their body several opportunities to make a ear. Their anatomy is sort of suited to that. As a result... We keep finding ears in kind of weird spots on insects. Crickets have them sort of below the knee on the forelegs. Praying mantises, they have a single ear in the middle of their thorax. Locusts have them on the side of their abdomens. In lace wings, their ears are on their first wing. Butterflies have them at the base of the wing. Katydids' ears are on their first pair of legs, kind of right next to the elbow joints. And perhaps my most favorite is the moth that hears with its mouth part. That's right, its mouth part. As strange as it might sound, certain species of hawk moth have bristles right next to their tongues that can detect sound waves. It'd be like if we could hear with our lips. Yeah, it's insane. Insects may be great listeners, 
but some still need an extra boost to make themselves heard, especially if they're naturally high-pitched. Insects want to sing at low frequencies because low frequencies travel really far. Like a high-pitched sound really decays really quickly, but a low-pitched sound will go on forever. This is why things like foghorns are so low in pitch. It's so that sound can travel as far as possible. But if you're a tiny tree cricket, your wings just aren't big enough to produce a low sound that can travel across a big field. So you've got to get creative. When a cricket sings, sound waves ripple out from its wings in both directions. Each sound wave is like a series of peaks and valleys. But when the peak of one sound wave hits the valley of another, they cancel each other out. This makes the overall sound quieter. It's the same principle behind noise-canceling headphones. For many species, a bit of noise cancellation isn't a big problem, but others need every decibel they can get. So some insects have tried to find a way to do better. And one way that they have found to do better is to use a baffle. A baffle is something that blocks sound from moving in a particular direction. So what they do is they basically climb on a leaf, chew a hole in the leaf, a hole that's more or less exactly the same size as their wings, that puts its head through the hole in the leaf, and then holds its wings absolutely flush with the hole, and then sings. So when this wing is vibrating back and forth, the leaf makes sure that the sound that's coming out from the front of the wing doesn't interact with the sound that's coming out from the back of the wing. The result is that the sound is amplified. So these insects are making a tool to make louder sounds. As well as using tools, insects are capable of other amazing feats, like disrupting the natural sonar of bats. Bats hunt using echolocation, making ultrasonic clicks that bounce off everything around them. These recordings have been slowed down to make them low enough for us homo sapiens to hear. As the bats hear the echoes, they can form a mental picture of their surroundings, including any tasty prey. But some tiger moths can disrupt that system. When they hear the ultrasonic pulses, they will make a clicking sound. And that clicking sound jams the bat echolocation. This messes up the bat's mental picture of where that moth is, making it much harder to catch. Jamming bat sonar is impressive enough, but what's even more bizarre is how they do it. They make a sound with their genitals, and that's what jams the bat sonar. <laughs> uh, okay. Yep. And moths aren't the only insects that use these organs for sound. The loudest animal by body size is actually a water boatman that lives in Europe, and it lives at the bottom of rivers. They're called water boatmen because when they swim, they kind of look like a boat with oars. These creatures are less than half an inch long, but their mating call is really loud. It produces a sound around 99 decibels. That's about as loud as a blender full of ice cubes. And the males make this sound, 99 decibels, by rubbing its genitals against its abdomen. Strangers 
strangely, their predators don't seem to notice this sound at all. For whatever reason, there's not like a predator that is picking up on that particular cue. And so the females are probably picking males that can be the loudest. So we just see those insects get louder and louder and louder and louder. And they're at the bottom of rivers and you can walk next to the river and still hear them. That's how loud they are. The fact that water boatmen can make all of that noise without attracting hungry fish is pretty unusual. Typically, adaptations by prey go hand in hand with adaptations by their predators. There's this thing called the evolutionary arms race. Essentially, predators are always trying to find their prey and the prey is always trying to avoid being found. So whatever starting point you start at, your predator eats all the easy ones to find. Over time, the prey has to adapt by getting faster, by being better camouflaged, or by changing the way they sound. At the same time, the predators might also get faster or develop a better sense of smell or get better at hunting in groups. And then you get this evolutionary arms race of the predator being better at being able to find the prey item than the prey item being better at avoiding the predators, whatever that case may be. One way that prey can avoid detection is by getting quieter. For example, in Hawaii, there's an invasive wasp that preys on crickets. So this wasp will find crickets, it will lay its eggs on the crickets, the larva will hatch, it will eat the cricket alive, and then emerge from the body cavity. Gross. And also... Not great for the cricket. But the wasp was using the cricket sound to locate the crickets. So in the past, like, 20 years-ish, these crickets have gone silent. They don't make sound anymore. Within a few generations, the whole of the island, that species of cricket was completely silent. Because there was so much pressure from those parasitic wasps that quiet crickets lived and loud crickets died. The saddest thing is, these crickets are still trying to sing. They still rub their wings together, but they've lost the grooves that make the stridulating sound. They evolutionarily became silent. They just lost their singing parts. This is actually one of the fastest evolving traits that scientists have ever seen in animals. Unfortunately, insects around the world are facing more than just invasive predators. We're also really, really changing the world in terms of just the temperatures. So we're having something of an insect apocalypse. And bad news for insects is bad news for everyone. We tend to notice things are wrong when we're like, the whale population is declining. The lion population is declining. When really there were signs that the ecosystem was struggling way before then. Insects are the base of the ecosystem, right? That's what like birds and lizards eat. But when you start losing the base of that ecosystem, by the time your lions and your whales are having problems, there's so much damage done to that ecosystem that it's hard to come back from. In order to protect these ecosystems, we need to understand them. And that's going to require more research and more scientists like Nancy and Natasha. But even if you don't become an entomologist, you can still step outside and enjoy the insect chorus. Depending on where you are or when you're listening, you might hear the chirp of a cricket, Or the scratch of a katydid. The hum of a grasshopper. Or the buzz of a cicada. 
So the next time you hear a bug, see if you can find it and take a closer look. I hope it makes people curious about what they have in their backyard. I think when people go outside, they're like, oh yes, noise. But that noise can be really important. It can teach us about the creatures we share the planet with, their evolution over millions of years, and what changes we might expect in the future. You might even find a new favorite sound to pick out among the insect chorus. I like the tree crickets singing at night. I really like them. There's even a quote about them, which Natasha loves. If moonbeams could sing, this is what they would sound like. Twenty Thousand Hertz is produced out of the sound design studios of DeFacto Sound. Hear more at defactosound.com. This episode was written, produced, and reported by Layla Battison. It was story edited by Andrew Anderson and Casey Emerling, with help from Grace East. It was sound designed and mixed by Joel Boyder and Justin Hollis. Thanks to our guests Nancy Miarelli and Natasha Mahatre. Nancy has a YouTube channel called Cybugs. There, you can learn all kinds of interesting things about insects. Natasha's team does a ton of fascinating research on insect communication. For more, follow the links in the show description. I'm Dallas Taylor. Thanks for listening.